0: Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV Podcast. We're excited you came across this message. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit HopeChurchLV.com and click Connect With Us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread Hope Church to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Well, good morning, Hope Church family. So glad you have joined us this weekend. I want to jump right in. And I want to share a story of my first time coming to Hope Church. You got to go all the way back to 2006. I was 20 years old. I was in the middle of my college years, and and I'd been a Christian for a couple years. And I remember having a conversation with one of my best friends. His name was Frank, and uh, we were having a conversation about me just wanting like more. I wanted I wanted deeper. I wanted to grow more and. I don't remember how, but we ended up on a Saturday night at a little Baptist church on Pebble Road called Hope Baptist Church. And I got to be honest, I grew up here in Las Vegas, and there was a lot about that situation and that experience that I did not quite understand. There's a lot of southern accents. It was a lot of pleated pants. And there was a lot, honestly, I didn't quite understand, but I remember we went to In-N-Out afterwards, of course, and we were kind of debriefing our experience, and I just remember telling Frank, yes, like, I don't know all of what we just experienced, but I know it was what I want, what I need, and I specifically loved a few things. One, the, the passion with which the Word of God was preached. Like just passionate preaching of the word of God, deep teaching from the Bible. I love that. I love the diversity. Even looking around today, that hasn't changed. I, I grew up in, over in Henderson. I didn't go to church. And, and, and when I went to the church that I went to, there wasn't a lot of diversity. And there definitely wasn't gospel music. And I was a fan of gospel music because I heard it for the first time. And I'm sitting there going, like, this is going to make me want to dance. And you don't want me to dance, Okay. That's why I play guitar, <laughs> but I loved it. Man, this is amazing, this gospel choir, and, and then that time in our service that we still do that makes a lot of you very uncomfortable. We tell you to stand and say hi to the people around you. People actually did that to me, and they, they, they welcomed me, and I could tell this is a people that love Jesus and love being together, so I knew After college, I needed to lay down some roots at this place called Hope Church, and so that's exactly what I did. The next year, I graduated from Bible college, and I I set up a meeting with a guy who was the student pastor at the time, four years older than me. You guys know him as Pastor Travis Ogle, and he was the student pastor at the time, and I set up a lunch with him just to kind of share my heart of what was going on, in my life. I I told him, I said, I I feel like a calling on my life. By the way, I just graduated from Bible college. That's what you have to say when you graduate from Bible college. (laughs) But I really did. It wasn't, it wasn't just, it wasn't, I, I really believed that. I was like, there's something, I just desire to be involved in what God's doing. And I love this church. And so he invited me to serve. He was a student pastor. And so he invited me to begin to serve as a small group leader for high school young men. And so I started to do that there in 2007, and now for over 15 years, I have just served in different capacities of this incredibly precious church. Amen. We've said it all month long, but this is a precious place. If you are new You may or may not know we are walking through a month of really communicating some change and some transition here in the Hope Fellowship. That student pastor, Travis, he continued to grow in leadership here at Hope Church and become a phenomenal leader over the last 17 years he served here. And a couple weeks ago, he shared with our church family what God had been doing in him and his family's heart and life. God had been leading them to transition to a different kingdom context and a different ministry position with the North American Mission Board. And he is going to do a phenomenal job at that role. And we celebrate that. But, hey man, we can give it up for Pastor. Oh boy, we're some clapping people at 1030. I like it. And so we explained to our church the process that we walked through with our lead team of elders our lead team of pastors and our stewardship team and throughout a course of a few months god led the men that, that make up those teams to and it's a honoring and humbling to say to to call me to be the senior pastor of this incredible fellowship and i and i just want to say thank you so much I, i'm serious the last Two weeks have been incredibly overwhelming and just so good and rich and affirming for me and my family, and I can't thank this church enough. I'm super grateful, and I'm also very excited. So be ready, because I'm turned up to like 10 today, okay? If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians. Out of this letter, I want to share some things that God has put on my heart. Now, if you're new to Bible study, you may or may not know that the book of Philippians is actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul. And Paul writes a lot of letters in the New Testament, but a lot of his letters are to churches who need to be corrected. So he's writing letters to the church in Galatia, and he's writing letters to the church at Corinth, and he's basically saying, I need to be your pastor and get you in line for a few chapters. But the the book of Philippians is different. See, the book of Philippians, the, the church there in Philippi, Paul had a deep admiration for these people. So we actually know that the book of Philippians is really a thank you note of gratitude to the church that Paul so dearly loved. So I thought, how fitting to teach from a book that's a thank you letter to a church that Paul deeply loved as I preach for the first time to my church that I deeply love. So we're going to jump right in and we're going to kind of do a popover of all four chapters of the book of Philippians. So it starts in the first few verses, and Paul just begins to, to greet people. He kind of says, Hey, how are you? Praying for you, how you doing? And then he jumps into where I want to begin in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Here's what the Bible says. And I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul, right off the jump of this book, is trying to instill some confidence in the Philippians. Now, I don't know what might have been going on in the Philippian church where he felt like he needed to instill some Holy Spirit confidence in them. But there's, it's almost like he's saying, there's a lot of things you might not be sure of, Philippians. And there's a lot of things you might not be sure of, Hope Church. But you can be sure of this one thing. I know for me, in this season, there's a lot of things I'm unsure of. Very transparently, I'm unsure of a lot of the trappings and, and, and details of being a senior pastor. I am one week in, people. So there's a lot that I don't know. I'll be talking about these guys a lot, but there's a lot about I don't know how the Taoist the Cowboys are going to perform this season. <laughs> the jury's still out. I had a guy on the front row last service say, it's our year. Yeah, we've been saying that for 30 years, Okay. I don't know how they're going to perform. We don't know who's going to win the midterm elections. Despite what your favorite very biased channel says, nobody really knows the outcome of the November elections. You may not know what you want to do after your senior year. You may not know what to do in a season of transition at your church. There's a lot of things individually and corporately, Hope Church, that we don't know. But Paul wants to start us off today to say there's one thing that you can know for sure. That God who began something in you will be faithful to accomplish what he set out to accomplish. (laughs) Paul says no matter how unsure of your life you may be, you can trust this. That God started something in you and we just sang it. He's the same God and we're standing on the rock of his faithfulness. He is a promise maker and a promise keeper. And so we are confident in him. Notice it's not about us and our abilities praise god it's not just confidence in yourself or your experience i have to be honest with you today i am not standing up here confident in a calling or confident in an ability or confident in an experience i am confident today in jesus who started something in us and will finish it that's why paul says in philippians chapter 2 he continues for it is who god praise god that doesn't say for it's on you scott It's on you, church, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work. So beautiful. We're going to unpack that for his good pleasure. If you are here and you are a follower of Jesus, you need to remind yourself and the enemy at times that there's a God who lives in you and he is doing something good. But listen, it's not just the one in you working. He's also the one in you willing What does that mean? Sometimes you don't even want him to work and he's working because he's willing even when you're not willing. He's in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This phrase, who works in you, in the original New Testament Greek, is a continuous action verb. What does that mean? It means God did not just say, okay, Scott, I started to work in you. Now go get him, buddy. Hope you succeed. That would be a bummer because I would not succeed continuous action means he's daily continuously moment by moment in my life and in your life giving you the confidence you need because he is going to finish what he started and that is good news because sometimes i put my head down on the pillow at night and i think if i'm on my own i am sunk i can't be the only one like i sometimes go to bed and i think i'm supposed to be a christian And today was a rough day. The way I blew up at my kids, the way I spoke to my wife, the way I thought the things I thought. If I'm on my own, I'm in trouble. But this verse reminds me, it may be a very, very bad day, but God is in you, even in the bad days, and you are a work in progress. So if you've surrendered the control of your life to Jesus, and you are a Christian, Rest assured, you are a work in progress. That's why he continues in chapter 3. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect. Praise God, Paul the apostle is not perfect. We are in good company. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his Some of you need to put that on your mirror that you look at every single morning before you leave the house. Some of you need to screenshot that part of the verse and put it as your your background to remember it may be a mess out there, but I am his mess because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And that's good news. Paul is saying God's not done with you. No matter what it looks like today, Paul is not done with you your life has not reached the finish line yet and until it does he is not done working same is true for you individually same is true for me individually and the same is true for our church hope church we have not reached the finish line i praise god for the 21 years of his favor and faithfulness and all the things that god has done in this church but he is not done with this church In track relay races, the baton is passed, not at the end of the race, but in the middle. So here's where Paul continues as we settle down on this verse. But one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind. And listen, the things that lie behind, some of them are great and glorious and awesome, but they're behind And straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In the original language, these all these phrases, it's, it's, it's showing an intensity that is hard to describe. This idea of straining forward is, is every single fiber of his being he's giving towards to pressing on. It's a, it's a word that means an aggressive, intense, and energetic, energetic endeavor. It's as if Paul is saying, I am giving every single ounce of my being towards the goal of what Christ Jesus has set out for my life. I'm giving everything I got. Church, for us, there's more that I believe God wants to do in us individually, but also as a church family. We are in process, and I cannot wait to see what God produces. It's constantly growing, constantly getting better. That's why I love what the great reformer Martin Luther said about this idea of Christian growth. Christian living does not mean to be good, but to become good. Not to be well, but to get well. Not being, but becoming. Nor rest, but training. Here it is. We are not yet, but we shall be. It has not yet happened, but it is on the way. Not everything shines and sparkles as yet, but everything is getting better. And I can't wait to see all that that looks like as a church for the years and years to come. So here's the question I want to ask and answer today as God just put some things on my heart. What does it look like? to press on as a church into the future. In the many years to come, this is not all the things that we'll be leaning into, but as I thought over the last couple weeks, and God's been just doing some stuff in me, I thought, here's, here's five ways that I know for sure over the months and years and years to come, we will press on as a church family. Number one, we will press on by proclaiming Jesus Above everything. We will press on, Hope Church, by proclaiming Jesus above everything. There's a couple reasons why. Number one, he's the only one worthy of our praise. We just sang it. All hail King Jesus. I love a room full of people with their hands raised saying all hail King Jesus. You can't sing that song and just kind of like not bow down a little bit. When kings walk in the place, everybody, every person, all of their subjects, what do they do? They hit the floor. There's an honoring and a reverencing of the king and what he, he represents. All hail King Jesus. I am convinced that a ridiculously high view of God will produce ridiculously humble people. And that is who I want us to be as a church. As we see God. As we see him high and lifted up, we do exactly what we did in worship, where we hail the king, and in our next breath, we say, "Oh God, my God, I need you." Because when I see you for who you are, I see myself for who I am and who we are as a church, and we are needy and humble people. That's what worship is. Worship is not what happens here on stage with some instruments. That's a part of worship, but worship is our response to a great and mighty and holy and majestic God. I've said it before, and I'll probably say it a thousand more times over the years. Nobody stands at the edge of the Grand Canyon and looks out at the beauty and the splendor and the majesty. Nobody stands at the precipice of the Grand Canyon and steps back and says, that's cool and all, but do you know how much I can bench press? Have you seen my car? No, listen, I am in the presence of beauty and glory, and I feel really, really small. I'm not boasting in that moment. You drive out a couple hours on a clear night and see the beauty of the cosmos, all the stars, and as we, as we gain more technology, we're seeing more and more galaxies and, and things in the universe that our God has created with his very hand. I don't look at all that and talk about how much money I make. I look at all that, and I feel like a tiny speck, and God is so gracious that he lets me be a part of his activity, and it humbles me. So that's the first reason we will proclaim Jesus above everything. Here's the second reason. He's the only one able to save Our God is big and worthy of our praise, but he's also the only one able to save. And that's a big deal because at Hope Church, we exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. The only way we do that is if he saves people. So we're going to be about talking about the gospel and the good news of being saved by the grace of God because Jesus is our only hope. You can be sure, Hope Church. Keep us accountable in this, that from this pulpit, you will not hear us preach self-help or general spiritual truths that make us feel good. We will preach Christ and him crucified. Why? Why, Scott? Because of what Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved, and that name is Jesus Christ you may be here today And You didn't know about a transition. You didn't know the significance of the weekend. You just showed up to church. And if you'd be honest, you would say, I've tried everything under the sun to satisfy that deep longing in my soul, and nothing has worked. I am here to tell you nothing will work because there's only one person that can fill that deep longing in your soul, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he stands ready to save you. To bring you into his family at the end of our service like we do every week we'll have an opportunity where you can come and you can talk about what does it mean to follow Jesus and I bring this up church because I want us to be a people that shows up to the gathering every single weekend not to just go through the motions of church but to show up ready to see God save people what if we walked in every week going, maybe it's someone on my row. Maybe someone on my row today will be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his Son and be rescued and set free for all eternity. Maybe I get to be a witness to that today. What if we came to church every week thinking, you know what? I can't wait to see who God saves. I can't wait to see who God restores. I can't wait to see his activity in our midst. This is a significant week, obviously, for me and my family. So I, I started a new practice that I plan on continuing each week that we're here. And that is before service on Thursday and before service today, before there was anybody in the room and the worship team was getting ready to, to practice, I just started walking around this room empty, just put my hands on chairs. And here was my posture. God, in a little bit, these chairs will be full of people And God, I confess right now, my inability, I don't care how good the worship sounds, I don't care how nice the ushers are, I don't care how great the lesson is in Hope Kids, I have zero ability to change this person's life. But God, you are the God of heaven, and you have all the ability to do whatever you want in this person's life. So God, whoever sits here, would you transform their mind? transform their heart would you save them well i want us to be a people where well, we understand we're going to lift jesus up above everything because he is worthy of our praise and he alone can save number two we will press on by preaching the word of god unashamedly i praise god for over, over 21 years this church has done this talked about my first time here is one of the things I appreciated about Hope Church. We've done this and we will continue to do this. We will take this book week in and week out despite it being popular or not and we will share the truth of God as our substance and our source of authority. This word of God will be preached at this church unashamedly. Because it's the only thing we believe that can give us the truth in the midst of all of the lies that we surround ourselves with every day. My wife and I moved, our family moved last year to a new house. And so I've been doing a lot of, a lot of DIY projects in the backyard, thank God for YouTube, and just doing a lot of things back there. And one of the tools I use is I'm doing landscaping or building a fence, like that's my newest project, building this fence. And I've been using a, a, a bigger version of this, but this tool is called a level. For those of you that don't know, a level is what you put on something to see if it is level. And when you're doing that, you put it up and there's this little bubble right here. And let me tell you something. In that moment, this bubble is the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you've been there when you are like step back, you're like, it looks good. If you put this level on there and it's like this, it ain't good this bubble tells me everything i need it doesn't matter how i feel about my project it doesn't matter the situation about my project. if i put this and that bubble is not right in the middle my stuff is out of balance this is what i wanted to see hope church the bubble on the level is the bible in our lives it doesn't matter how i feel When I read scripture, it will help me see, despite my feelings, if I am out of balance or not. It will help me see in those moments, am I where I need to be or do I need to make a change? The Bible is the truth. It is our sufficiency and it is our authority and we will preach this word unashamedly. John Piper, a pastor, said this about the word of God. If we are cut loose... From the anchor of God's word, we will not be free. That's what we think sometimes. I'll I'll close this. I don't want to think about it, and I'll be free from what the Bible says. Listen, we will not be free. We will be slaves of personal passions and popular trends. And, church, I'm afraid that's what's happened in our culture. More and more Christians are spending less and less time in the word of God and we are being driven by our own personal passions or whatever trend is on Instagram and we need to remind ourselves of the sufficiency of scripture and yes, come each week to our church leaning in knowing it's gonna be preached but I will lovingly and consistently as your pastor remind you of the, of the, of the necessity that you and I have to get our face in this book every single day for our lives. Some of us are walking around with no level and we're wondering why we're out of balance. The Bible centers us on what God's word says. So we will be passionate about preaching it. Number three, you guys doing all right so far? Amen. We will press on by pursuing growth as a church intentionally. Now here's how many people would read that statement that's right let's get some more people let's fill this auditorium let's get as many people here as possible that's success in the American church in 2022 all the seats full of people listening in push pause on that for one minute because if that is true then Jesus Christ himself was a terrible pastor and leader Did you know there's times in the Bible where Jesus is preaching and instead of mass revival and a bunch of people getting saved, the Bible says a ton of people actually stopped following him around. I'll give you an example. In John chapter 6, one day he's teaching on some really tough topics. Like those topics that don't necessarily feel good, but they're the ones that will help you grow. Those things that don't tickle the ears, but it's what you need to take a step in your faith with Jesus. He's teaching on those type of things. And guess, look what happens in verse 60. And when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. You know what they did? They got in their car in the parking lot looked at their spouse and said, what was that? (laughs) Some of you have probably done that. (laughs) Who can listen to it? After this, verse 66, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Why would Jesus do this? Here's why I think he did this. He was not looking for a bunch of fans. He was looking for followers. Jesus was not into entertaining people. He was into discipling people towards the kingdom of God. So why? What do I mean when I say that I desired that we pursue growth as a church intentionally? I mean what 2 Peter verse 3 says about this. That you and I as a church would grow in the grace of and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ to him be the glory that we would be constantly growing in our grace and knowledge of our relationship with the lord now hear me clearly here's not what i'm saying i'm not saying that i don't want our church to be a welcoming place where people can come and hear about the good news of jesus i love that we have so many people joining our church did you know, actually, this summer, 430 people showed up to Hope Church for the first time and filled out a card and let, the, let us know that we were he, they, were, they were here. 430 people just in a couple months. Praise God for that. Under Pastor Gene's leadership, it's happening right now. We have a membership class called Discovering Hope. In the last year, just in 2022, 150 people have joined our church and said, I want to be a member of this great church. And I praise God for the 430 new people and the 150 new members. But here is the deal. Getting people to a Sunday service is not the goal. As your pastor I plan to create many avenues and pathways with our incredible team that we have and solid Bible teaching that would constantly and lovingly lead us to growth in our relationship with Jesus. To more depth, to more of what the Bible calls being fully formed in Christ. Another term for this you may have heard is is discipleship. Following the way of Jesus. What does this look like? Constantly growing deeper and wider in our love and knowledge of Jesus where it overflows into every area of our lives. My desire is that we would be a people that would gather on Sundays or Thursdays Full of Jesus, being discipled in Christ, daily abiding in him, thinking deeply, loving richly, and seeing God grow us more and more every single day. And here's the irony. You show me a couple thousand radical followers of Jesus like that, we wouldn't be able to keep the doors off this place. There'd be tons of people, tons of people would flood Hope Church to see what on earth is going on with those people. If you don't believe me, ask the 120 disciples who gathered in an upper room after Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Those 120 disciples who were fully. Developed in Christ, fully discipled, went out and just started living lives as fully formed disciples of Jesus. And after a couple years, those 120 became millions of followers of Jesus to the point where you and I are in this room today because those 120 people were saved and discipled and sent out on mission. So we will press on and grow continually and intentionally. Number four, we... We'll press on by participating in God's activity, not just spectating. Really, this is a byproduct of discipleship. God is doing some incredible things. I'm so grateful for the incredible things that he is allowing us to see in our church. If you didn't know, we have tons and tons and tons of ways for you to get involved in what God's doing in our city. Pushing back what's dark in the Las Vegas Valley. We have tons of partners all over the world who are sharing the gospel with people that have never even heard the name of Jesus that you and I can be involved in. We can go on trips and we can pray for trips and we can give towards trips. There's tons of stuff, tons of activity, a thousand ways to serve in this church. Thank God for all you people that use your gifts and your abilities to serve the local body as we gather every single week and God is doing incredible things. But some of us, are sitting in the bleachers cheering on the people that are on the field doing the work. And here's what I'm here to tell you. I believe with my whole heart when God saved you, he did not save you for the sidelines or the bleachers. You may or may not know it, but if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a jersey on and it's time to get on the field. He didn't save you to watch his activity and give it a golf clap. He saved you to get involved and to see him do things through your life. As honest as I can be, just an honest confession before my church, I have no desire. I have no desire to pastor a really, 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 really big church full of people that come week in and week out hoping to get entertained. I know it's an impossible task anyways. We live in Las Vegas. Listen, if this is the most entertaining your week gets, get some new hobbies. You can watch a video on TikTok in 15 seconds that's way more entertaining than what we got going on. We are not here for entertainment. We are here to gather the local church who have been discipled and are being discipled daily as they spend time with God and with each other. And this is a celebration each week where disciples come together to lift up the mighty name of Jesus corporally. It is not entertainment. And I do not desire for it to be entertainment. Here's a statement that's true. Spectators become critics but participants become caretakers here's how i know this statement is very true because in two weeks on september 11th i will watch the first cowboy game of the season sitting on my couch (laughs) spectating i'll get some lunch i'll get my boys we will watch the dallas cowboys and i will spectate and i promise you in that moment here's what i'm going to become a critic Watch Dak Prescott, by the way, sorry for all the football language in the next 20 seconds or so. Watch Dak Prescott, who's the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, throw one bad pass. I'm gonna say, what are you doing, Dak? I could have thrown that better. Come on, armchair quarterbacks. You couldn't, but I think I could. Come on, Zeke, why did you run that way? Your blockers were this way. What are you doing? And I sit back as a spectator and I become a critic. Let me tell you who's not saying that to Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott. The people that are on the field in the huddle with him. What are they doing? Hey, shake that off. Don't worry about that. Just keep focused. That was a bad pass. We're going to get past it. They are caring for the people that they are actually living alongside. What happens when we spectate at Hope Church? And I'm just as guilty of this as you. When we come here as spectators, we sit back and go, eh, I didn't really like that last song. I was saying, Yo, EJ, that new song, it's not doing it for me, man. I actually really like that song, so. Ah, that wasn't his best sermon. I've heard him preach better. Come back next week. Yeah. My my favorite is. I wish, I wish they had a program for this thing that I want to do. This is my absolute favorite. I really wish the church would do something about this. Can I let you on a secret? You are the church. So my prayer as your pastor, as we move forward and press on, is that we will become participants full of Jesus, actively involved in what God is already doing here. And we see him multiply it more and more and more. And here's the deal. As Christ is formed in us, here's what we won't have to do anymore as a church. Try to convince you to be involved in it. Pastor Tom was never going to have to get up here and go, hey, guys, go on mission trips. Go on mission trips. We won't be able to keep the people out. Our mission trips will become full because people who are fully formed in Jesus are saying, What's next for my faith in Jesus? I want to get on mission and preach the gospel to the unreached people groups. I wanna, I wanna come to prayer nights. We don't have to shout it from the shop, prayer night, prayer night, prayer night. Yeah, like this place will be full of people desperate for Jesus, saying, We need more of you. We won't have to convince you to be involved in God's activity because you'll be begging for it. That's the church that I desire to pastor. And I believe God's going to do in us. Number five, round and third. We will press on by placing significant emphasis on the next generation. Listen, being, being a kid, being a student, being a young adult has always had its challenges. But I think we can all agree because of our current cultural moments, technology and other things the next generation is a massive target for the enemy and he only exists to steal and kill and destroy and i believe we're watching it happen in real time all four of my kids are all gen z there's a lot of talk about gen z and how it's hopeless and there's no hope for these people even within the church gen z growing up in a very 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 different world than even i grew up in. i'm a millennial and even so the millennials still kind of have a bad reputation but millennials and gen z gen is growing up in a world that millenni- millennials could never even imagine i was on vacation with my family a few weeks ago and i had to explain to my kids the glory of what a blockbuster video store was <laughs> what a tragedy Like I said, kids, you understand, there was nothing like a Friday night when you busted the doors open in that place and you were like, wow, glory. And they're so spoiled. They got Disney Plus and Netflix and Hulu and and then they still have the audacity to say there's nothing to watch. (laughs) It's like we had one wall of of new releases. That was it. (laughs) And we're having some fun with this, but it is an extremely different world. With every passing day, this strange new world that, that preaches acceptance at all costs, celebration and affirmation of whatever makes us feel most like our authentic selves, and claims to value personal freedom more than any other time in history is producing the exact opposite of what it claims to offer. It is not working. Depression is at an all time high with Gen Z. Gen Z is the most medicated generation in the history of the world. Freedom has not been found but but bondage. But here's what you need to hear today. We are not giving up on this generation. As long as God himself is on the throne, there is hope for every generation. Parents, make no mistake, we've said over and over, and we will continue to say this over and over again, the primary discipler in your kids' lives is not the church, it is you. But we wanna come alongside you in tons of ways to help you and build you up and hold your arms up as you disciple your kids. Because remember, parents, it's not if your kids are being discipled, it's by whom are they being discipled. Every video on their phone every game they play, every classroom they sit in, everything in their lives is forming them to something. And we as a church wanna come alongside parents with ministries and money and prayer and emphasis to help you as we say, there is one thing that can truly change your lives, Generation Z, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we wanna give that to you in every way we can. So we will continue to pray to sacrifice, to give money, to put much emphasis on what God is doing in the next generation. I believe with my whole heart, with this next generation's eyes and heart fixed on Jesus, they can change the world. There is not a more primed generation to be saved and discipled and sent out than this upcoming generation. That's why when Pastor Trenton preached so well a few weeks ago, that in this next season... We want to be more committed and passionate about getting the gospel to the next generation. And here's the deal, every follower of Jesus has a part to play in that. Every person who calls Hope Church home, whether regardless of your age or your stage, you can be a part of investing in getting the gospel to the next generation. I want to give you a right now example of how we're doing that. Trenton mentioned it earlier, but on September 16th, We are gathering 18 to 25 year olds to lift up the mighty name of Jesus and create a community of this age range in our church. Because here's the deal, 18 to 25 year olds are finding community somewhere. Whether that's at the frat house or the sorority house or somewhere online, we wanna be a church that has a place to gather 18 to 25 year olds, to show them the way of Jesus, to preach the Bible to them, to worship together. And of course they're 18 years old to give them a whole bunch of food in the process. I cannot stress this more. I cannot stress this enough. If you are 18 to 25 and you are in this room or you are online, be in the room uh, on September 16th. I'm going to be there, not leading it, but standing in the back, applauding all that God is going to do in this next generation because I believe he is at work. Forgetting what lies behind. Straining forward. We will press on and here is my heart to you hope church i desire to do that with every fiber of my being for many years to come i commit to you to by god's grace to strive to see the best in our church to love and disciple and serve this church the best way i know how but here's what you need to know from the jump i will let you down i'm gonna make mistakes there's gonna be things that are happening sometimes, or you don't might might not understand. I ask you to seek for clarity in those seasons. I know I am not perfect like Paul, but I commit to this church to press on. And here's the promise God gives me and you and us as a church in Philippians 4:19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I believe the best days for Hope Church are ahead, and I am here for it, and I cannot wait to see what he does in our midst. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the king. We celebrate you as the king. We honor you as the king, and we bow down now to you as our king. Lord, I pray for the person in here that doesn't know you. Would they hear today the good news that they don't have to stay stuck in their sin, that you came to pay the penalty for their sin. You died on a cross for their sin. You rose again from the grave to show that you are victorious then, but you are victorious now. And Lord, I pray in just a moment when we have pastors up here that they would come and they would begin to inquire about what it looks like to follow that Jesus. Thank you for saving people, Lord. I pray you'd save thousands and thousands and thousands of people for what you're doing here at this church for your glory in the years to come. For the rest of us, that followers of Jesus, every week we're here as we worship. Our pastors are going to be down here. And we understand there's things going on in our lives that we just might want prayer for. Situations and circumstances that you would just love somebody to come pray for you or maybe you just want to spend some time with Jesus on your own in a posture of prayer. You can come down to this altar. Whatever way the Holy Spirit is leading you to respond, would you obey him today? He is worthy of your praise and he's worthy of your obedience. So would you follow him? Jesus, thank you for paying our debt. We praise you. You are so good, God. Pray as we respond, Lord, that we would all follow you in obedience.